So my name is Christina Kraus. Uh, my uh, day job is the CEO of the BC Patient Safety Quality Council here in British Columbia, Canada. And I'm joining you today from the traditional unceded territories of the Tecumloops to Shoquemet people here in Kamloops, which is in the interior of BC. The biggest challenge that I see facing quality right now is our health human resources. The, the trauma and the experiences that people have been through both professionally in the workplace and delivering care, but also personally at home and the impact of the pandemic has been huge. Uh, here in British Columbia, we have climate change and all these other aspects that have also been going on. Um, and we need, we need to think through how we're gonna rest and recover because we have to be there for our patients going forward. And if we don't focus on this purposely, I think we run the risk of being in trouble. And so this workshop's really gonna give some tangible, practical suggestions around what you can do to support recovery and um, really ensuring that we can give the kind of quality care that we want to for our patients and families. Welcome, Christina, to the podcast. Um, so we're talking about burnout today, burnout in health and care staff. Do we know how big a problem that is now in April 2022 in Canada and in other countries worldwide? Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing about burnout is we've been talking about it for a number of years and, and seeing it uh, across all those working in the system, whether you're clinical providers, administrators, um, it's been an ongoing issue. I think the last two years in particular have um, brought it to the forefront. And I, it's partly because when you seek to understand what contributes to burnout, you know, often people will think about physical health and am I getting enough rest and sleep and all of those types of things. But we know in healthcare, a lot of it contributes from what we call moral injury. And moral injury is really when the way we are delivering care or, or what we can offer to the people that we are serving, that we're unable to deliver it in a way that um, meets what our goals and our values and our beliefs are. And it comes from initially actually from soldiers' responses to their actions in war. Um, but we're, we've been seeing that concept coming up more and more in healthcare and understanding burnout. And, and sometimes it comes from um, some of the challenges that we have in our system around, um, especially those of us working in publicly funded system, you know, we know we have a certain amount of resources and often access to care is an issue. Um, but when we see that we want to do something for a patient sitting in front of us, but we can't, um, and if that becomes a norm, people start to feel um, that concept of moral injury, which can lead to disengagement and to burnout. I think the pandemic in particular has amplified that because um, we know that there are consequences uh, as a result of COVID that aren't COVID. So we're seeing now delays in diagnosis around cancer. So here in British Columbia, we're starting to see more and more patients showing up in the emergency department and, and metastatic cancers are being diagnosed in the emergency department, which hasn't typically happened before. But we've seen people who have delayed receiving care. And just knowing that's a consequence of the last two years is very difficult for people. Um, other times, sort of pre-pandemic, it would stem from, 
from, you know, introduction of, of new technology and computer systems where people were finding themselves behind a computer rather than in front of a patient. And the, the content of the work that they were doing no longer was as enjoyable or tied as much to their, their sense of purpose. Um, and so that can also happen. And I think, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of, of factors for us right now. I think people are tired and they are exhausted. They've been called to work longer and greater than they have um, before. And, and they've seen many people die. And initially in the pandemic, we didn't know how to help. Um, and, um, and that was a challenge. I think the other contributing factor um, for the sort of disengagement and, and challenges that we're seeing right now in our health system are also related to, and I don't know if in the UK you had people cheering and banging pots in the evenings every night for healthcare workers. Um, we call that sort of, you know, the 7 p.m. cheer that happened. Um, and that was great and it was motivating and, and people felt valued and, and they were working hard and doing their best, especially at a time when there was nothing known. I think we've all forgotten about those early months that we actually knew nothing about this virus and how scary that was. Um, but then they shifted to protests, at least here in Canada, around the vaccine, right? And, and, and we've had people actually protesting outside of healthcare facilities. So we went from cheering to protests and on top of exhaustion, on top of seeing all of the consequences that the pandemic has had for patients, whether it's from COVID itself or from delayed diagnoses and, and things like that. And we've also had to redeploy people to other roles related to the pandemic and not necessarily their daily job. And, um, you know, we know that people get energy from doing the things that challenge them and, and the work that they enjoy and tied to sense of purpose. And that, um, that got taken away. So the extent of the problem right now, I don't, I don't think we really know. I think, you know, we've always seen numbers around 50% yeah, amongst clinicians often were sort of the numbers that we would see experiencing signs and symptoms of burnout, but I would think it's much greater right now. We're seeing more people leave their jobs, retire early. We see people changing their jobs um, and moving into different, even outside of health. And we have a real, at least here in British Columbia, a big health human resource challenge. We just don't have the staff we need to deliver the care that we want to right now. And that is new <laughs> and scary. So um, yeah, challenging times ahead, I think. So impossible question, because presumably, you know, a big part of the answer to this is to prevent it happening in the first place. Um, but, you know, as you say, there's a kind of, compound list of things that have happened over the last few years and it's difficult to make those system changes and prevent this from happening what what does the evidence tell us about how we can deal with burnout in health systems have we got kind of strong evidence that shows how we can organize healthcare systems to prevent as much as possible yeah, I think, you know, when you have a sort of, we, we talk about burnout as being a context when there's low energy and the energy you do have is, is sort of negative, right? You're, you're not in a good space. You see a lot of apathy and disengagement. And, and these are in, not because people don't care. It's that um, the place that they don't have the capacity to sort of feel in the way that they used to. And so you can look at, um, and there's, there's quite a bit of evidence around energy 
both individual individual energy as well as organizational energy and how that impacts the level of engagement um, that people have at work. And um, one comes from a group called Staten Maris in the UK, and they talk about these four C's, um, which are energy generators. And the first is connection. So connection meaning what matters to me as an individual and what matters to the organization right now that I'm working within. And so that sense of connection around shared purpose becomes very important. We also know that um, content, so the second C, you know, the work that you're doing, are you enjoying it and are you being challenged is important, as well as the context, which is the third C, which is, do I have what I need in my work environment to feel supported? And this is often the one that I think people struggle with. You know, we often hear comments of, I feel like I was being set up to fail, or, you know, in the early days of the pandemic, we we knew that the personal protective equipment, we didn't have what we needed. And that's an example of the physical environment. It can include funding. It can include having the right team around you to deliver the care that you need to um, so context is very important. And the last one is the culture um, and the environment, you know, the way things are done around here uh, for people to give their best. And so, you know, when we think about how do we come out of this, um, there's strategies and techniques that we can use to refocus and look at um, the work environment and the work that people are doing. And I think that's why right now people are starting to shift jobs and starting to question because there's been a lot of reflection coming out of the pandemic around what really matters to me and what's important and where do I what kind of work do I want to be doing and so we're seeing a lot of people start to shift but I think we often I think at the core if you think about the different kinds of energy and we we also know that there's um within a team or an individual um and this comes from work that Helen Bevan had led around the energy, NHS energy for change model. And there's five types of energy that are talked about in that model. And we know that teams perform best when the five energies are high and that's social energy. So that sense of connection and relationship, physical energy, having just the, the, the rest and the diet and, and just being having the physical wellness to do the work work, but also intellectual energy, which is the knowledge of curiosity and information, psychological energy being that energy of safety, and then spiritual energy or sense of purpose, um, working towards something that is tied to my personal values and to that greater good. And I think during the pandemic, we had a dominance of physical and intellectual energy. You know, we had all this new information coming in around different treatments and learning about the virus and, and, and the case numbers and all of that. It was a lot, a lot of data and people were having to work long hours, be highly physically engaged. And yet the social energy, just by the nature of the pandemic started to drop. We, you know, I heard colleagues talking about, you know, the lunchrooms and the hospital being closed. As an example, you weren't able to have meals together. Everybody was behind masks. So whether it was between yourself and a patient or with your colleagues, just it wasn't the same. You know, people weren't hugging, they weren't connecting. And so our social energy and then at home, we were isolated on top of that. Um, and we also know that the um, sense of purpose became all about the pandemic. Right. So your personal passion areas for a lot of people, they were redeployed into new areas. They were having being called upon to do different work and everything else that they've been working on had to be put on pause. And so one of the ways that we can actually, I believe, 
start to come out of this is to re to think about the way we're working to manage because the military gives people people a, a good break with family you know when they come back from a deployment we can't do that because we can't shut the doors on our health system people are going to continue to come so i think we talk about phasing off in the energy down and i think we do need to slow things down as much as we can um, if there was a chance we could just deliver care for three months even but not anything new you know we're we're constantly redesigning is what you know this whole conference is about is how do we make improvements and change but i think we need to slow down things a little bit to give people as much break as we can for starters which is tied to some of that physical rest and recovery but we can use quality improvement to refocus around sense of purpose and shared purpose with others. The way we engage in, in projects, we can we can be very purposeful around how do we create social opportunity within those and greater relationship and connection. So we can actually use the change and opportunities for change to re-engage the system around what really matters to them. And the best way to find that out is to ask, what's most important to you right now? I think the first you know, if we could slow things down for three months and then have, you know, a three to six month window where we actually work on things that matter to staff and really listen and, and, and focus on achieving those and then re getting back to what matters to people in each of the work areas that they have and, and tying back to sense of purpose, being social in the way we deliver it. We can start to rebuild those energy sources that we know, um, our, our, our gap. And it, and the, the, what matters really, we can tie to that moral injury piece, right? What is it that is hurting you right now? Asking those questions and truly listening. I think the worst thing we could do is ask a question and then ignore it. <laughs> we'll do more damage. So there are opportunities and there are models we can use. And often it, it means identifying a challenge or an opportunity and bringing people together around that purpose and then working to achieve it. And I think that's the other piece that we could do is have the first few pieces of work that we do do together to be manageable and small. So we can actually have that sense of achievement um, and really seeing progress. If we take on really big, huge transformational pieces without having them at least chunked out into to manageable pieces um, and people not seeing and feeling that sense of accomplishment, I think that will um, contribute to the burnout as well. So there is lots we can do. Um, it's going to be uh, need to be purposeful in the design. And I think it's going to need the support, political and leadership support to give people the time that they need around recovery. So we talk about service recovery, which we know we need to do around wait times and surgical access and all of those pieces. But there is a people recovery strategy and that's really what this session is about, is that the, the people side of the, the recovery in the context of uh, a service recovery and a people recovery coming out of the pandemic. So you're running this workshop with Helen Bevan at the conference in Gothenburg, the Quality 2020 conference. It's on Wednesday, the 22nd of June, and it's entitled Rest and Recovery Post-COVID, A Necessary Step for Quality. So if people are listening to this and thinking this sounds like the inspiration that I need to learn more and go and do this in my organization, tell us a bit about what you're actually practically doing at that workshop. 
Yeah, so we will be talking about some of the literature and background around moral injury and some of the uh, pieces that we have learned from from the military. Um, There certainly are, I think they've done it the most um, around sort of that post-operational stress management um, programs and and the rest rest and recovery. So we'll be looking a little bit about that. Um, I think the other piece that we're going to be looking at is some of the evidence and literature that I just spoke to around organizational energy models, around the different kinds of energy that exist in a system, and to really be thinking about how do we build energy around those different types that will help support us uh, as we move forward. Um, So we'll be diving deeper into each of those energy domains and and seeking to understand. We also are going to be looking at... um, a model called highly adoptable improvement, which really looks at the impact of change on workload and capacity and how that really can make a difference around the success. Um, And we're gonna be spending a lot of time in small groups, breakouts, time for conversation, reflection, and really starting to think through practically how can we be purposeful in the design around the, the recovery that we need in the system. Uh, particularly around our people, which we know uh, are are really needing that right now. And so I guess it's worth reflecting on the fact that this is the first time that this European Quality Forum has happened face-to-face for, I think, three years. Why is that important? Why is that kind of in-person collaboration important? And what are you personally most looking forward to about going to Sweden and meeting up with people face-to-face? Yeah, I think, you know, we've managed well during the pandemic with Zoom and and people have been able to successfully run conferences, including the International Forum. And um, but I think we've forgotten what happens during the informal space and the informal time. And so not only just seeing people and having that human connection. So even I think the forum is going to be a fantastic opportunity to build that social energy which I've talked about as being missing. We need that. You know, people often go to these events and they talk about fueling their tank for the next year until they meet again. And um, that's definitely been, I think, lacking even in the virtual space. And uh, we're fortunate to have the technology we do to be able to connect. Um, But it's that time in um, conversation, quiet conversations at meals um, you know, at breaks, uh, the time as you're waiting for a session to start where you talk to the person next for, next to you and you discover, you know, um, you know, especially the international forum is just always so fantastic because there's people from all over the world. Um, and the learning that you have, even in those moments, um, is, is just as important as you have in the formal sessions. So I think, um, just we know that the, we need human connection and we know that um, that social aspect and, and maintaining and building those relationships is key and being there in person is going to afford that opportunity. But also, I think the learning is greater when you're in person because you have that additional space uh, for connection and learning. So um, and it'll just be great to see people again, you know, the, the quality and safety community, even globally, is is big but small. And um, I think we've all really missed each other. And so that chance to connect again is just going to be fantastic. 